Good morning. Today's reading is in the first chapter of Colossians, starting at the third verse. And feel free to follow along in a Bible you brought yourself, or one, the one that's provided in the pews, or uh, just be blessed by listening. We should give thanks in God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love which you have for all the saints because of the hope laid up for you in heaven of which you previously heard in the word of truth, the gospel, which has come to you just as in all the world also it is constantly bearing fruit and increasing even as it has been doing in you also since the day you heard it of it and understood the grace of God in truth, just as you learned it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow bondservant, who is a faithful servant in Christ on our behalf. And he also informed us of your love in the Spirit. For this reason also, since the day we heard of it, we have not ceased to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so that you will walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, to please him in all respects, bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, for the attaining of all steadfastness and patience, joyously giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. For he rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in which we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Father God, like the Colossians, help us to be filled with the knowledge of your will for us. Please give us a spiritual understanding and wisdom to help glorify you in a world that desperately needs you. And help us to appreciate all you've done for us by rescuing us from darkness and redeeming us, forgiving our sins and giving us an eternal home with you in heaven. Father God, thank you also for giving us this opportunity to worship you in music, in the reading of your holy word, and the preaching of the same. Thank you for our pastor, Steve, who loves you, who loves your word, and loves us, his flock. I pray that you would put in his heart and his mind what you would have him teach us today, and let us have ears to hear so that we may take to heart what we are being taught. In your name we pray, amen. Good morning. Good to see all of you here on this Lord's Day, this first Sunday of 2024. Indeed, it's good to be here with you. I think all of you know that we have had in this Tampa area a drought really for the last, what, five, six, seven, eight months. 
And some of you may not like this winter pattern where you get rain and every few days, but I like it. It's really good because I've got all these bushes and plants at home, so it helps out the water as much. But, but I was thinking about this because sometimes in our own lives we can have a drought, a spiritual drought in our heart. And we all know that what we need is the Word of God. That's what we need. That, that's why even just hearing Jeff you know, read there from Colossians is so good, that filled with truth. And, and if we don't have the truth of God, then we will not be able to live in the way that God wants us to live. So we continue on here, and we're just looking at, at really a, a, a two-part thing here. We were looking uh, at we're looking at our lives in view of the past and the present and the future. Last week we talked about looking at the past. We talked about how we're to remember the past, that we're to think about the acts of God, the things that God has done. Uh, whether it's in our lives or lives of others or in the world around us. And, and so we, we talked about the acts of God. We also talked about the ways of God. And this ways of God is, is different because it refers to God's overall purpose and plan and, and works in our lives. Uh, let's say you put dots on a piece of paper and these dots represent the acts of God in your life. Then you connect those dots and you get this smooth, continuous line, that line then represents the ways of God for your life. That's what we're talking about. The verse that speaks to that is as Psalm 103, 7. It says, it says um, God made known his ways to Moses, but his acts to the sons of Israel. So the Israelites didn't understand all that God was doing, but Moses did. He had a much better picture of what God was doing. And so God then is carrying out his works and his ways in your life. Whether you realize it or not, that is what, if you're a believer in Christ, that is what he is doing. And he's giving you uh, purpose and direction. He's giving you a reason for living. Now, when you see God's works and ways, when you see what God has done in your life and the lives of others, then you should give praise and thanks to God. And not only that, but when you think about what God is doing, you should be encouraged Encouraged by the character of God, by his power and his patience, by his love, his mercy, his, his holiness, and his wisdom. Psalm 77, 13, I like this uh, simply. It says, thy way, O God, is holy. And that's what he wants for us. His way is holy. He wants the ways in our lives to be holy as well. And as you know the ways of God, then you'll grow more in your relationship with God. And you will trust him more. That indeed is what will happen and how you look at the past then affects how you live today and live tomorrow. Oftentimes we struggle because we're not seeing the past correctly. And there's many Christians that aren't rightly processing the past. I mentioned this last week. They have this spiritual PTSD or just spiritual PSD. That is, they're struggling. Okay, And if that's the case, then they're not going to see God's love rightly. That's, they're going to be more discouraged. They're going to be ones who are lacking in faith. And they might be ones who grumble and complain more. And so you need to think rightly about what God is doing in your life. And, and, and doing this then will, help, will really have a positive and dramatic effect on your life then and help you to live in the way that God wants you to live. I was thinking of the Israelites. I mentioned them last week, but this is such a, an important picture for us. And I talked about the Israelites out there in the desert. And, and you know this. You go back to Exodus and Numbers 2. Talk about how they were grumbling and complaining a lot. Some were saying, let's go back to Egypt. They missed everything. Go back to Egypt? Are you kidding me? They forgot what God had done in delivering them from that place. That was a bad place to be, and God rescued. God miraculously took them out of that place. He took them into the desert. So they forgot the deliverance, the rescue mission that God had, had, had you know, take, done for them, but they also forgot the promise. 
the promised land that they were to go to. So, so they forgot the past. They weren't thinking of the future. They didn't know where they were coming from. They didn't know where they were going. And that's the way it is with us sometimes. And that's what we're talking about. Not just the acts of God, but the ways of God. Understand the ways of God helps you to see this is where I've come from. This is where I'm at today. And this is where I'm going. That's, that's the point here. It's a mature Christian is one who, again, understands the acts of God, but more so like Moses, God made known his ways to uh, God to Moses. That is, God will then, if you're mature and understand and looking at God and his word and thinking about the past correctly and thinking about the future correctly, you understand more of the ways of God, and that's what God wants for you. So anyway, a little review. Let's talk about the present. First of all, you have to focus on the present and not in the past. Philippians 3, 13 and 14 says, Forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize. This verse doesn't negate what I just said a few minutes here and last week. It doesn't, doesn't negate the fact that you're to think about the past, because you are to think about the past, but you're not to focus on it. That's the point. You're not to live in the past. Sometimes you'll talk to people and they're just talking about the past. No, you're to, you're to focus on the present. Yes, remember the past. Let that be that which encourages you and energizes you to live in the present and in the future. Secondly, you're to focus on the present and not on the future. So focus on the present, not on the past. Focus on the present, not on the future. Matthew 6, 34 says, Do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will care for itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Many days in your lives have a little bit of trouble. Maybe sometimes they have a lot of trouble. But you know what I'm saying? There's a little bit of trouble today. There's a little bit of difficulty, trials, whatever it might be. Okay, so, so if you're thinking about tomorrow's potential troubles tomorrow's or the next day's potential troubles, in addition to today's troubles, and you can get overwhelmed. You can be unnecessarily burdened, and that happens to a lot of people. They're thinking about today, and they're thinking about tomorrow, and it's all adding up, and he says, don't do that. Don't do that, that's what he says. So focus on this day, on this day, and not on tomorrow or the next day or something next week or whenever. Here are some verses, there are a number, I just picked three here. That speak about this day. I call them day verses, and I got there's probably another four or five I could give you. But there's verses that just talk about the day, and so we're focusing here on this day. This is the this is the seventh day of January. We're talking about this day. It says Psalm 18, 24. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Again, the focus on this day. Psalm 90, 14. Satisfy me in the morning with your unfailing love, that I may sing for joy and be glad all my days. That is that pattern of. Every morning, thinking about the love of God that he has, he affects this day and really then, cumulatively, cumulatively speaking, all your days. The next verse, you know, this one, Psalm 23, 6, Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. So again, the days, the important, I'm focusing on the days here. So every day then is a special day, a unique day. It's a, it's, it's a brand new day that God has designed and given to you so that you can love him and so that you can serve him, so you can live for him. And if you're upset about the past or worried about the future or both, upset about the past, worried about the future, then you're not going to be focusing on this day like you need to. You see what I'm saying? And some people are like that. They're focusing on the past or worried about the future or both. That's problematic. And, and God wants you to learn how to think rightly about this day that God has given you, one day at a time, living one day at a time. This, each day has 24 hours, you know that? And 24 hours is the, is the perfect amount of time that God gives you for each day. You don't have 20 hours, 15 hours. You don't have 30 hours, 35, 
28. You have 24, and 24 hours is the exact amount of time that you need to do the things that God wants you to do today. Exact amount of time. I love it. I love the fact that we got days and nights, of course, to sleep. But, but this is what God has given us. This is his design. We go back to creation in Genesis 1 with the sun and the creation of the sun and the moon and the stars, all these things that relate to the days and nights. So that's the, the second point. Third point is how you live today then relates to the truths that you know and believe. You probably know about that parable about the guy building his house on the sand and the guy building his house in the rock. It says in Psalm, Matthew 7, 24, the wise man built his house on a rock or the rock. What's the rock mean? I'm not going to go to the verse there, but it means the word of God. That is, that is wise people, wise believers build their lives on the truth of God. That's what we're talking about here. So this third point really is about truths that we need to know and believe. I say know and believe. You, you don't you know, obey a truth, you believe it, okay? Understand that. You know, need to know and believe truths. Jesus Christ, let me give you some examples, simple ones. Jesus Christ is God, that's a truth. That salvation is through Christ alone, that's a truth. That you're forgiven of your sins through Christ, that's another truth. That God loves you, that's another truth. That God gives you his Holy Spirit, that's another truth. That God's Holy Spirit gives you spiritual gifts so you can love and serve God, that's another truth. That God has a great and glorious future for you, that's another truth. In fact, I should do this for you sometime, you can do it yourself too. You just start writing down on a page. I mean, you got, I could give you a hundred different truths that you need to know and believe. And that's part of the, the Christian life is in terms of being progressive. You go through the years and you keep learning and building and growing and understanding and building your lives on the truths of God. You know the verse, John 8, 32, you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. Free meaning another way to live in the way that God wants, free from sin and then living then for God. You shall know the truth. That's what Jesus says. God wants each of us to know the truth, know and believe the truth. Psalm 83, 5 says this, the wicked do not understand, do not know or understand. They walk about in darkness. All the foundations of the earth are shaken. A good verse for why we have problems in this country, in this world, right there. They don't know the truth. They don't understand the truth. Therefore, they walk about in darkness. You wonder, what's going on in this world? People walking in darkness. They're not living their lives on, on, the, on the truths of God. They're not doing it. I, I mentioned it before, and you go to Genesis 1. What's one truth? God created us, right? What's another truth? God created mankind, right? Next truth, God created mankind as male and female, right? Next truth is this. God says both, both marriage is between a man and a woman. So we have all these basic truths, and the world is really getting messed up because it doesn't believe these truths right there. That's just some of them. That's just some of them right there. So the point is this, is that we need to know the truth. Hosea 4, 6 says, my people die for lack of knowledge. Again, the reason that people have problems in their life, the reason people's lives are messed up or this world's going the wrong way because they're not living according to the truths in God's word. But this should not be true for us. This is so paramount. I'm thinking about our lives now, today, this year, the rest of your lives, the truths of God. We have God's word, we have God's truth, and we need to know what the truth is. We need to believe what the truth is. We need to hang on because we'll be tested, and we need to live then by the truths of God. That's what God wants for us. I list in my notes here Psalm 11. It's a good little chapter that relates to the truths of God. Read it sometime. 
and their truths, you see. It relates to a messed up world and how God's in charge, and we need to trust him for that. Really, really good. So that's the, the third point, is you need to live your life by the truths of God. The, the fourth one, uh, to live this day, there are also commands that you need to obey. Okay, truths are different than commands. They're related, but they're different. That is, either you do what you want, or you do what God wants. It's pretty simple, right? And, and God's commands tell you what he wants you to do. That's, that's where we're at, real basic. I, I listed here a number of verses. These are just some. I just picked a few here in Psalm 119. Because there's so much there. And again, Psalm 119 is about the Word of God, and it's basically a book that instructs you how to understand the Word, read the Word, be motivated in the Word of God. But 119.10 says, Do not let me stray from your commands. If you stray from God's commands, what's going to happen? That means you're doing your own thing. Psalm 119.19 says, Do not hide your commands from me. That is, God, I want to know what your commands are. I want to know what you want me to do. Psalm 119.32 says, I shall run the way of your commands. That is, I'm, my life's going to be full blast following your commands. Not just sort of, okay, I'm doing one thing for God. I'm, my whole day, I want to be living for God and doing what he wants. That's, that's what he's saying. 119.35 says, direct me in the path of your commands. Again, as, as people, we're flesh, we have problems. And God, lead me. Lead me in the commands. And the commands, of course, relate to the path that God wants you to be on. 119.47, I delight in your commands because I love them. Two words, I delight, I love, I love your commands. A lot of people, you know, Christians I'm talking about here, oh, God's commands, oh, I got to do something for God again. I don't want to. They have a wrong attitude. <laughs> They're really not thinking right if they think that way at all. I delight in your commands, I love them. 119.60, I will hasten and not delay to obey your commands. Oh, yeah, I'm supposed to do this for God. I'll, I'll get to it later. No, I'll hasten. God tells you to do something, you do it right away. That's, that's what you do. 119.86 says all your commands are trustworthy. That is, you can trust them. You can trust them that that's what God wants for you. Now, when you do what God wants, then you'll be on the road. You'll be on that way. You'll be on that path that God has for you, and you will be blessed. But if not, if you're not obeying God's commands and you won't be blessed, you will have problems, I guarantee you. Oftentimes, people, Christians, have problems. Why? Well, many reasons. One, maybe they're not believing the truth of God. Maybe, two, related to that, they're not obeying the commands of God. It's pretty simple. And so if you talk to somebody, they're struggling, and you can find out, you know, what aren't they believing? Well, maybe simple as, well, they don't believe God loves them. They don't believe that truth. Or maybe they're not loving somebody else. There's many different reasons, but it comes down to these basic things, not believing God's truth, not obeying his commands. Here's a few examples of commands that God gives you. I'll read these. There's, again, I'll give you many, but there's a few basic. Mark 12, 30. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. That is number one. No doubt about it. Every day loving him. John 15, 16. This is my commandment that you love one another. Right to the first. You love one another. Proverbs 3, 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not in your own understanding. Again, just a simple command to trust him. Next one is, be holy yourselves also in all your behavior. God wants us to be holy. That's a command he gives us. Hebrews 3.13, encourage one another day after day as long as it's called today. So you're with somebody a particular day? What's God say? Well, if you can encourage them anyway, encourage them. Encourage them. Encourage people day after day. First Thessalonians 5.16-18, rejoice always, pray without ceasing. And everything give thanks, for this is God's will for you. Sometimes when I have problems, I go to those three. I call it the RPT, RPT, rejoice, pray, give thanks. It's 
you know, struggling or something's going on, rejoice in that problem. Rejoice. Pray about it and give thanks. Three quick things. It helps to reorient your life and get your life in the path that God then has for you. Yeah, let's do this. Let's go to Romans 12. <laughs> i got a number of commands here. In these verses, I'm going to read, I find uh, 27, you might dispute one or two or connect one or two and have 24 or 29, I don't know, but let's go with 27. In these verses here, Start in 9, let love be without hypocrisy, abhor what is evil, cling to what is good, be devoted to one another in brotherly love, give preference to one another in honor, not lagging behind in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, persevering in tribulation, devoted to prayer, contributing to the needs of the saints, practicing hospitality, bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse, rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Be of the same mind toward one another. Do not be haughty in mind, but associate with the lowly. Do not be wise in your own estimation. Never pay back evil for evil to anyone. Respect what is right in the sight of all men. If possible, so far as it depends on you, be at peace with all men. Never take your own revenge, beloved, but leave room for the wrath of God, for it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. But if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him a drink, for in so doing you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not overcome, be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. I was just, I watched a little bit of the news every morning. I was watching today, and the, the hosts were talking about their New Year's resolutions. I never heard what they were, but they're all going to share the resolutions, you know. And I think, okay, that's fine. And the one guy had 20 different resolutions he was going to. But the commands, hey, I want to do what God wants. That's my resolution. I'm going to go through Romans 12 here. These 27 or 25, whatever, different command. This is what I want to do. That's my plan. I mean, and that's the way to think about it. What should I do this year? Well, I'm going to obey God. I'm going to do what he wants me to do. So then God tells us. I mean, this is, this is probably one of the best single places I can find all these commands. There's other chapters that are similar, but not quite like this, at least in my estimation. I mean, there's so many. And so, if you, again, if your life is sort of not going the way you want or what's going on here, read this chapter. And say, God, is there something here I'm not doing? Is there one or two, three, four things here I'm not obeying you in that maybe that's leading to my life, having problems? And so, so God gives us his commands. So you have no excuse for not knowing what God wants you to do. No excuse for not doing what God wants you to do. And indeed, obeying God's commands is one of the most important keys to being a successful, fruitful, happy, blessed Christian. There's no, no, no doubt about that. Now, it's important here. Listen up here as we share this next related point, that the truths of God are foundational to the commands of God. That is, you can't have the commands of God without the truth of God. The truth of God, then, is the basis for the commands of God. It's behind all the commands, okay? Real simple. Let me just give you a few examples to understand this. So, for example, one is you need to know and believe the truth that God loves you before you can love others. It says in 1 John 4, 19, we love because he first loved us. So, so the point is there's the truth. Not obeying the truth, you believe in God loves me. That then is the key, the basis, the foundation for me then loving others and obeying that command to love one another, which is, fills up 1 John 4. It's all about the love of God and us loving others. That's what it is. So you, you have to see that. Another example is this. You need to know the truth 
that God is good before you can trust him. Oftentimes we don't trust God because, well, is he really good? Is he trustworthy? So the foundational truth, God is good. I believe that. I really believe that. That helps you then to trust him. That's what we're saying. Next, the truth of the gospel. You have to know the truth of the gospel before you can share the gospel. That makes sense. The simple truth. There's one aspect of the gospel given to us in John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his son, that whosoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. That's the truth. Then you go to Matthew 28, 19, and 20. What's it say? Go make disciples. Go share the gospel. How can you share the gospel if you don't understand it and believe it in your own heart? So please understand that sometimes people, you know, they hear, you know, God commands me to do this, and they struggle because they don't really understand the truth behind it. Oh, i got to love that person. Well, if you knew how much God loved you, you would love that person. You see, that, that's the connection. So really need to understand that point there about the, 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 the truths of God then being that which is foundational to the commands of God. Next, there's promises you need to believe. You see where we're going. We're talking about the truths of God to believe. We're talking about the, the commands of God to obey and now promises that you're to believe. A promise is God's declaration of what he wants to give you. That's what it is. That is God tells you. God promises you something he wants to give to you or he wants to do for you. Okay, that's, that's, that's all that we're saying here. And promises are motivational. God wants us motivated. You know that. You know that God wants you to be motivated and excited to serve him and promises one of the keys. Wow, God's promising me something if I obey him, if I follow him, if I do what he wants me to do. And so, example, let me give you some examples of, of promises. And there's two kinds of promises. The first one is unconditional promises. And I'll just give you some examples. And these are, if you got your notes here, I've changed things. So don't follow the notes. You're going to get messed up. In fact, I, I'll tell somebody today, I, you, you, you follow those notes too, but you're going to miss what I'm saying. I got my notes all scribbled with stuff. Just scribbled. I got four pages of scribbles all over of additional thoughts. So make sure you don't miss what I'm saying up here, okay? Anyway, first one is this, is that God promises you that you won't lose your salvation. Some people believe, some Christians believe you can lose your salvation. That's not true. Once you're saved, you're always. Once you're truly saved, you're always saved. That's what we're saying here, okay? That's a promise from God. You can't lose your salvation. He gives you eternal life, and eternal life lasts how long? For all eternity. Secondly, uh, another one is God promises you, you that he'll give you a glorified body. God promises Christian he's going to come back and judge this world, the sinners in it, okay? There's just three different examples. These are all then unconditional promises, meaning this, that God will keep his promise, God will keep his word, regardless of what you do or say. So if you're truly a Christian and you struggle, and he says, well, I'm not sure, but if you're truly a Christian, God will save you. Truly a Christian, God will glorify you, regardless of what you say. It's not your work. He's going to want to change your body dramatically so that you're beautiful and powerful and strong and glorified for all eternity. And so we have these unconditional promises. This simple one here, I like this one. This is a good one. And I, I share this for so many, but you, you should know it but by heart. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. That's a promise. And it's unconditional. No matter what kind of day you have as a Christian, it's unconditional. You had a rough day and you look at the end of the day, it's you know, 9, 10 o'clock at night. He was with you, his goodness and mercy all day long. Unconditional. We need those unconditional promises, really do. Then there's conditional promises. If you have the notes there, you see I crossed off the un, made a mistake there. There are conditional promises, promises from God that are conditional, that are based on what we do, that are based on then obeying the commands of God. 
So very simple. Unconditional promises and conditional promises. So example, let me give some examples here. Proverbs 3, trust the Lord with all your heart, lean not in your own understanding, in all your ways, acknowledge him. What's the promise? He will make your paths straight. So basically, you trust God, and he'll make your path straight. If you're not trusting God, he won't necessarily make your path straight. Now, overall, he's sovereign, yes, I understand that. Okay? But there's another example. Psalm 37, 4, delight yourself in the Lord. What's the promise? Remember that one? He will give you the desires of his heart, your heart. Delight in the Lord, and he will give you a promise, a command, and then a promise. This one here, Luke 6, 38, give It'll be given to you. Very simple. Oftentimes, as people, we're not giving, and we feel nobody really cares. You give to others, you will be blessed, and God will give back to you one way or the other. A simple There are so many promises. Again, these are conditional promises. The, The bottom line is this. Be looking for promises. You can read the God's Word. Be looking for promises. You know, people go out, and they say they're hunting for some gems or hunting for gold or whatever it is. Promises are gold. They're spiritual gold. Infinitely more valuable than physical gold. Gold hit its all-time high about a week or two ago, someplace over 2,000 an ounce. Okay, that's a fair amount of money. But the spiritual promises that God gives you are so, so, so much better. This verse here, 2 Peter 1, 4, says, By these God has granted to us his precious and magnificent promises, so that by them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that's in the world by lust. So two, two results of promises in the last part of that verse. One is, is you partake of the divine nature. You experience the things that God himself wants to give you in your life, spiritual blessings and all kinds of wonderful things now and forever. And so you partake then of the divine nature. So, wow. so a key Partaking of the things of God in your own personal life is the promises of God. And the second part is you escape the corruption. You escape the sin. You escape the bad things in this world. You escape the bad things and are given the good things. That's what it's saying. So, so they, they're not just an option. All these, you know, get truths and command. No, no, you need the promises. You need promises. You all need promises to live. We need promises today and tomorrow. And that's, that's what God wants for you, okay? Promises. Okay, I want to share some other principles that you need to apply if you need to live each day for the Lord. Again, I'm talking about the day. I'm talking about how to focus living this day. Again, it is so important. This day, this seventh day of January 2024 is an important day. And God has things for you each day of this year. First of all, know that God has planned out your life. So pray to God. Ask him to lead you in his will and the specific things that he has for you. Turn your Bibles to Psalm 143. Example here of this prayer. Psalm 143, we're going to look at 8 and then 10. Verse 8, Psalm 143. Let me hear your loving kindness in the morning. So speaking of this day. Again, it's a good truth in your morning time. You want to wake up and, you know, you have your breakfast. You want to really, important, wake up and know the love of God in your heart. Let me hear your loving kindness in the morning, for I trust in you. Teach me the way in which I should walk. We're talking about this day. Teach me what you want me to do. 
Deliver me, O God, from my enemies. I take refuge in you. Enemies can sort of get you off track, so you want to be delivered from them. Verse 10, teach me to do your will, for you are my God. Let your good spirit lead me on level ground. So teach me, and God, by your spirit, because as believers we have the Holy Spirit, and God's spirit is the one that wants to lead us. It says in Romans chapter 8 that we need to be ones who are led by the spirit of God. Wonderful, important, and true. So that, that first is, 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 is pray and ask God to show you what he wants for you. Next, commit yourself to do whatever God wants you to do. Get up in the morning. Say, God, brand new day. I want to do whatever you want. Now, you might be sitting there and say, you know, I don't know if I can say that. Well, then you've got to talk to God about that because something in your heart's not quite right. Well, I sort of have some things I want to do today. Uh, that's the way it goes. You all know this. I mean, I, mean I, I think about this, and when I say, God, I will do whatever you want me to do today, I say, whoa, I'm getting myself out on a limb here. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know if I like this. I mean, as people, we, you know, we like to be in control. You've heard of the phrase control freaks. As people, we sort of like to be in control. That makes sense. In one hand, we, we need to be in control by God's grace, by his spirit. In the other hand, we need to know that God is the one who is working in our lives. That's an important truth. Psalm 40, verse 8 says, I delight to do your will, O God. I delight to do whatever you want me to do today. I delight. Excited. Okay? Next, be strong in the Lord. Strength of his might. That's from Ephesians 6.10. We all know that we still live in this sin-prone flesh. We live in this fallen world. We all know that we still struggle against the devil. And you can really only live for God by the grace of God, by the strength of God, by the Spirit of God in you. That's, that's what we're saying. Many, many verses on this. Uh, one, Psalm 18, verse 1, I love you, Lord, my strength. It's a great one. The one in Philippians 4, 13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, 1 Corinthians 15, 10. I am what I am by the grace of God, and his grace toward me did not prove in vain. Many, many verses about God will give you all the strength that you need because you go along. And I, I mean, this happens to me every day, really. I says, oh, this is coming up, oh, and I get a little bit concerned or worried, whatever. Oh, just take it easy, Steve, it's all right. I'll give you the strength to do what you need to do. Don't, don't you worry about it. So that, that's, that's what happens. So next we continue on. We're talking about other general principles. Next one is be zealous. Be wholehearted in what you do for God. Don't be a sluggard. Many verses on that sluggard word in Proverbs. Don't be sluggard, don't be slow, don't be slack. Don't be lackadaisical. It's easy. We all understand that, and you know people like that. And sometimes we're like that. I'd rather be energetic. Be diligent is, is the word that's given to us in Proverbs other places. The plans of the diligent lead to advantage. This is what God wants. Be zealous for the Lord. Be zealous. Next, don't give up. Keep going for God. Endure. Persevere to the end of your life, but in this context, what I'm talking about now is persevere to the end of each day. Sometimes you're going along, and it's a good day, and you get to 5, 6 o'clock, <clears throat> man, I'm tired. You say, Lord, I'm tired. Okay, the rest of the night's my night. <laughs> That's not the way it is. I'm not saying you can't relax or rest after a hard day. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying all day long is for the Lord. Persevere to the end of each day. That's what I'm saying. Persevere to the end of each day. Next one of, oh, this verse here, this is one of my favorites. Second Chronicles 15, 7, as if you be strong, do not give up, your work will be rewarded. Work will be rewarded. You know the application there. I remember a long time ago hearing a famous teacher, this is John MacArthur, and he said, you know, the most important thing for a pastor to keep his seat in the seat. 
stay seating. And I'm there, and I'm looking, and I'm looking at the Bible, and looking at things, and praying, and typing things out in the computer. Okay, Steve, just stay seated. You're getting tired. You know, I get up, I get up every 20, 30 minutes just to keep my back a little bit loose. But that's what you have to do, persevere. You know, it's persevering. I, it's just, it, that happens with messages. Help me pray that God helps me to persevere with that regard. Next, know that God is sovereign over your daily life, that he's working all things together for good. We understand that verse. That's so important. That is, plan, plan your day. Know that God then will direct your steps. That, that great verse, I say it a lot. Man plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. Man plans his way, but the Lord directs every step of his life. Keep getting time with God. Keep sitting at his feet. Keep reading the word of God. Keep praying. Keep being refreshed by the love of God, being satisfied in the morning by his love. Keep being refreshed by the strength of God. This is what you need. That verse, I think of this one a lot. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Sometimes it says, Lord, are you sure your yoke is easy, your burden is light? Yeah. I need to learn that more, but that's a great verse. It's a great verse for what God has for us. And finally, most importantly, remember that it's about God and his glory. It's not about you. 1 Corinthians 10, 31, whether then you eat or you drink, whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. That should be uppermost. Today, Lord, this day is about you. It's not about me getting my things done. It's about you, Lord, working in me and with me for your purposes and glory. So we've talked about the past. We talked about the present. Just a, a few minutes here about the future, not too much. First, we need to know that God has uh, wonderful plans for us. We're talking beyond this day. He has a clear and good purpose for us. He has not just a reason for us to be alive. He has an important reason for us to alive. We need to see that. Important. God has an important reason for you to be alive. Whatever that is, it might seem smallish, might be bigger, whatever. It makes no difference. God knows who you are. God knows the plans he has for you. God knows the people that he puts in your life, the work he wants you to do. You always need to remember that. And God then will lead you in the plans that he has for you. That verse, which is applicable to the Jews back many years ago, back around 600 B.C. But I know the plans I have for you, plans for welfare, not calamity, to give you a future and a hope. So here's God. He knows all the plans from here on through eternity. We sometimes think about the plans for just this life. He knows everything. Millennial kingdom age and forever and ever. He's got it all figured out for you. Know the plans I have for you. But now we're just focusing on this life. Second, we need to live in view of the future. We need to live in view of the promises that God has for our life. If we only have this life, as Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15, he says, we are of all men most to be pitied. And you might know people like that. They think this life is it. And, and, and if you... If you know people like that and they live a certain way, you can understand why they're living that way because they're just thinking this life is it. He says, if we live that way, if we're living like we are now, full out for God, and this is it, we are of all men most to be pitied. That's what he says. As Christians, we all know that life can be difficult, but we need to know that it won't always be this way, right? I would need to know that. That little phrase I heard this years ago is back in sales school selling books 50 years ago 
little phrase, this too shall pass. This too shall pass. Or the biblical way to say it, even though you go through the valley, you're going through. You're not stuck. And always remember that you're going through. Another day, going through the valley that God has. And it's not always valleys, but sometimes it is like that, these valleys. And so we need to see then that it's worth it to live for God and that then God will bless us and greatly bless us after this life. In the next life, in the resurrected life, we'll be incredibly blessed. And the verses say that no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. Incredibly blessed and rewarded for serving God on this earth. Turn your Bibles to the first few verses in the Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 3.8. Again, these are verses that help you to live today, but motivate you then as you understand the future. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 8. Now he who plants, he waters, are one, but each will receive his own reward according to his own labor. Very clear. They're all different. You have different jobs to do. One plants, one waters, but you all be rewarded. Different rewards. We see that from Matthew 20. Five in the parable of the talents there. So that verse, and then in um, 1 Corinthians 15, many things we could say. I'm just picking out a couple. 1542, the best verse that sum up the glorified body, 1540 to 42, says there, there also, excuse me, 42 to 44. So also is the resurrection of the dead. It is sown a perishable body. It is raised an imperishable body. It is sown in dishonor. It's raised in glory. Sown in weakness, raised in power. Sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. So, brand new body, powerful, immortal, glorious, and spiritual. That's what God gives us. And finally, 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Good perspective again. 2 Corinthians 4, 16 to 18, therefore, we do not lose heart. Sometimes we can lose heart. Though our outer man is decaying. I think all of you here are old enough to know what that means, right? You all understand that verse. Our outer man is decaying, yet our inner man is being renewed day by day. Momentary, light, affliction. That <laughs> phrase gets me. This affliction is momentary, you sure, God? <laughs> yeah, it's momentary. Light, yeah, you sure, God, is light? Yeah, it's not heavy, it's light. Momentary and light affliction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparison. While we look not at the things which are seen, but the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Indeed, important truths about the future. So it's important then to know that God has a great future for us. We need to have the hope of this future in our hearts. Again, this is important, having this hope, the promises of the future for you to live today in the way that God wants. You have to be like the Israelites. They're in the, they're in the desert. No, it's rough, God. It's rough. You're just going through the desert. Don't worry. The promised land's coming. And for us, the promised land, I think one way to say it, that's heaven, okay? That's what it is. Not that there's not a little bit of heaven and earth. There is. There's no doubt there's, there's truth to that. But what is this hope? There's many things we could say. I like to sum it up with four different thoughts here. First, that we will be with Jesus Christ, the most important truth there is about our hope. We'll be with him. You're one who loves you more than anybody else, your friend, your brother, and the Lord. You'll be with him for all eternity. 
Two, you'll be in heaven, a perfect place. Three, you'll be in a glorified body, be perfect body. And fourth, you'll be with other believers. So we will be with one another and with all the believers from all over the world. And I've said this many times, that I do think that there's a connection between the people we know on this earth and the people that we know in heaven. And read, understand that First Thessalonians 4, people were sort of sad because their loved ones had passed away. You'll see them again. That's what he was saying. I really believe we will see quite a bit of each other. We won't get tired of each other in heaven. We'll be together again. That's going to happen. Plus, we'll see all kinds of believers from all over the world. Indeed, this is an important part of our hope here. Hebrews 12, 22 to 24 talks about that. I'm not going to read that there, but you can jot that down. Hebrews 12, 22 to 24. Third point, need to live, have faith. We need to believe that, believe that God will lead us, that he will give us what is good, that he will bless us, and we need to believe that it's worth it to live for God, to sacrifice our life for him, to do the things that he wants us to do. We need to Believe that. That's what's really important. You know the verse in Hebrews 11, 6, Without faith it is impossible to please God. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who earnestly seek him. God wants to bless you. It's by faith. It's by seeking him. That's what it is. This verse here, Isaiah 43, 19, Behold, I will do something new. Now it will spring forth. Will you not be aware of it? I was thinking about this verse and, and how... As you think about this day, or any given day of this year, there's, there's two general ways to think about it in terms of this faith thing. One is, is I believe God's going to really do some good things today. So it's just in general, you're not sure what relates to your lives or others you know, or I really believe God's going to be doing some good things. That expectation, and that's important. I was, the other night, it was like 10 o'clock at night, and I says, you know, I can still say that. God, I really believe you're going to do some good things in the next hour before I go to bed. <laughs> I really believe that, you see? So sometimes we think about the day and the nighttime, we sort of get a little sluggish all day long. I believe God's going to keep doing good things. So that's, that's the general. Then specifically where you are asking him, you're praying and saying, God, some particular prayer, you're believing God for one particular thing or two things or whatever it might be. The verse that, I love this verse on this subject here. In the morning, O Lord, you will hear, this is uh, Psalm 5.3. In the morning, O Lord, you will hear my voice. In the morning, I will order my prayer to you and eagerly watch in the morning. You get up, say, what's going on today, Lord? Well, I'm going to ask you about this and this and this and ask him and believe and wait and expect. It says, I'm going to eagerly watch. I'm going to order my prayer before you. And then I'm going to watch to see what you do. So that's important to think about that for your life, that general expectation of faith every day, God coming through for you, and that specific expectation of faith, believing in certain areas. Fourthly, we need to know that Christ may come back in our lifetime. Different signs are now taking place that indicate that Christ's coming is not that far away. I, I just wrote a blog, published it yesterday. It says, God's plans for 2024 and beyond. And it talks about this, okay? Because God's word, and I don't, I'm not some person predicting, this is exactly what's going to happen. I don't do that. But there are definitely truths in God's word and things that relate to what he is going to do this year. And I lay these things out in a general way. And there's more, there's more specifics as well, as too, that God wants you to see. But we need to, we, we can't assume that we're going to live just 70, 80, 90 years. Yeah, I just got 70 last November. I'm a little bit surprised, you know, going back 50 years, seeing my grandparents when they were older and, you know, now older than them. And they were gray-haired and 
And, and anyway, but, but you, don't, hey, you don't know. You may not live to those years. God, Christ can return before you reach that age. Finally, we should be thrilled that we can live at this time in history. And on one hand, we should live with a, have this sense of urgency and expectation, knowing that, hey, we're living for God. These are the end times. He could come back soon. Things are happening. If you don't know, just, things are happening really fast in this world. And I mentioned before, I do want to talk about some of those things as it relates to um, what God is doing and where we are going as, as, as a church in general, and this church specifically. So we talk about the past. We talk about the present. We talk about the future. I, in fact, I, I thought of this verse. I think it's Hebrews 13, 7, I think. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Isn't that good? Thinking about your life, he's always the same. He's always with you through the Holy Spirit. Wonderful, wonderful truth. Let's close by a couple verses. Let's go to Titus chapter 2. Titus 2, 11 to 14. It says in verse 11, it says, For the grace of God has appeared, first coming, bringing salvation to all men, instructing us to deny ungodliness, that's the present here, living now, instructing us to deny ungodliness and worldly desires and to live sensibly, righteously, and godly in the present age, looking for the future, the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Christ Jesus, who gave himself for us to redeem us from every lawless deed, to purify for himself a people for his own possession, zealous for good deeds. Finally, we go to Revelation chapter 22, last chapter of the Bible, verse 12. Behold, I'm coming quickly. My reward is with me to give to everyone according to what he has done. Interesting, his return connected with rewards. It's interesting how he says that they're finally the last couple verses of this chapter of this book of the Bible. He who testifies to these things says, yes, I am coming soon. I'm coming quickly. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. That should be our response. Finally, the benediction here, the grace of the Lord Jesus be with all. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time. We just bless you for your great love for us, this truth. You give us so many wonderful, encouraging truths. I know, Father, that you know each one here so well, perfectly so. You know what's going on in their lives, what has gone on, what's going, the plans you have for today and tomorrow and the future and for all eternity. I just pray you encourage each one. Help them, Lord, to be ones who are living by the foundational truths of the Bible. Help them be ones who are obeying the commands, your commands, and help them then to know and believe your promises. Pray that, God, for each one here. Not worried about the future, upset about the past, living in the present, but also knowing that you've got a good future for us for this year. We thank you, Lord, this first Sunday of 2024. We look forward to what you want to do. We know we live in a really somewhat crazy world. Thank you, God, that you're sovereign. Thank you that you're good. Thank you that we can trust you. Thank you that we're safe and secure with you. We bless you for that. What a wonderful truth to know that you're our Father, our Father who art in heaven. Hallowed be thy name. Lord, that's so encouraging to have you as our heavenly Father. We're your children, and so lead us, God. Help us to be and do all that you want. We know that you take us right where we are at, but help us to be children who love you and want to do whatever you say and trust you, Father. And obey you, Father. Just help us. We ask you for that. But thank you again for this time, this day. Thank you for this communion Sunday. 
we can remember you, Lord Jesus, your love for us, what you've done for us, and your love for us, Father. Thank you for this. I pray all this now in Jesus' name. Amen.